0: Welcome back to the Doctor Super Coach podcast. You're on again with Chizo and my main man Pistol. How are you going there, champion? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, we've already got the midfielders podcast that was released um, today. We want to jump straight into the rookies, and this is just going to be
1: a straight content podcast. You happy with that, Pistol? I sure am. So, for those that don't know, I wrote a rookie review today that we released on the page. Got quite uh, a bit of traction. So, yeah, if you haven't, take take a look if you want, but we're going to be going through it uh, piece by piece quickly today just because not everyone has time to read through a, you know, five-page article. <laughs> Is there anything you do with your spare time that
0: isn't like writing about... Football and Super Coach and
1: all that kind of stuff. I uh, just make time for it all. It's a, I'd say work-life balance, but it's more like work-life Super Coach balance.
0: <laughs> and uh, I'm interested in just uh, what you thought of the comments that you got from the uh, the people that had a look. We've had 24,000 people review the uh, the content uh, on that page, there, mate. I think the top comment is, "I'm hanging out for Cheezo's review." Hashtag Cheezo <laughs> Fan Club. <laughs>
1: No, I did get an overwhelmingly positive response. There were two people that did happen to mention Cheezo in the Pistol Rookie Review. I should make that clear. I think um, someone mentioned that Cheezo is better than P- Pistol on the podcast. Now, for uh, people listening, I do want to point out that that is extremely obvious as Cheezo does have a voice for radio and uh, a face for radio, and I'm the complete opposite. So... Sorry so, yeah. about my voice, but you're gonna to have to put up with it because uh, the content's alright. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're myself. gonna you're gonna start a YouTube channel because you've got
0: the face for the YouTube, do you? Uh, yeah, and it will just be your voice and my face. How's that? <laughs> all right, Zach Efron. Well, enough <laughs> of that. Let's let's jump into the uh, the rookie review. I want to go line by line here, mate. Let's go like defenders, mids. Um, that's the only way that I can kind of wrap my head around it because if we went team by team, I'd I'd find it too difficult to put them in the right spots. So we'll start off with the defenders. Who's your um, Number one option in the defense as a rookie selection, choosing your team right now. All
1: right, so we're going with Kirtley Hampton, Adelaide, 160K. Pick one. <laughs> 2017 rookie. <laughs> uh, just, just lock him in. Do it.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he averaged 76% um, time on ground, 76.3. And per if we round that up to 80% um, time uh, during the, uh, a regular season game, He's averaging uh, 92.3 points now, you'd be happy with that for 160K defender, wouldn't you be, Pistol? Oh,
1: 100%. It's, that's almost uh, keeper status right now. <laughs> uh,
0: in the, not in the defensive this uh, line this year, I don't think. Um, we've got another um, defensive option in Andy Otten coming from the same team. Um, there's word out that he's he's vying for that third defensive, uh, the third tool in the defense with Carl Cheney and, and players like that. I've seen a lot of traffic about him over the last couple of days um, even a, an interview with a couple of Adelaide players where they are basically saying that he's a lot for round one, he's had an amazing preseason. Uh, he's been injury free for the first time in years uh, he's put up scores of 98, 80 78 and he's averaging 85 points per 80 minutes uh, 80% game time um, if he does have the right role and I think he does I think he's also an option that we just basically have to bang straight in there
1: yeah, look, he's going to score well when he plays, so he's a safe option for your field, which is great. He'll make a lot of coin. Obviously, there's a risk if he's dropped, but I think you have to take it with someone that's just this good of an option, really. Yeah, I'm more confident with him than
0: um, similarly priced players like uh, um, an Ed Vickers-Willis or a Tom Stewart, for example. I'm, I'm more than happy knowing that Otten has had you know years in the past where he has scored well that he has the ability to step up to AFL this year. A lot of our rookies that we are looking at are totally unproven. you got your Mitchell Hibbards that we touch on a set, Ed Vickers-Willis. They're totally unproven at the AFL level. That's, for, for me, a reason why I'm more confident picking an Andy Otten over those guys at the same
1: price. But we need more rookies than just two. So jumping to our next one on the list, we'll say Tom Stewart from Geelong, 117K. Uh, he is a mature-age defender who got drafted last year, and he came in... Um, across the three JLT matches with scores of 85 57 and 45 he does seem to be best 22 at the moment Um, however there's about i think geelong have pretty much a core best 16 i would say that will play every week and then they have about 10 players to fit into the last six spots he's in that list of players uh vying for those Final spots. I think he gets a nod round one and going into the season. And, and when you're picking a player where it's their spot to lose, that's better than picking a player who doesn't have a spot to lose. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, at 117k, I think uh, he's also a, quite a decent option. What do you think? Uh, I I totally
0: agree with you on that one. He's sitting on my bench right now. In the first game, he played 84% game time. Second game, he played 91% game time. And the third game, he did catch uh, a little bit of a niggle. I don't know if you can catch a bit of a niggle there. Pistol, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, 76% game time, he did spend the last bit of the game on the bench, um... uh, just with the ice on the the back of the hamstring, I think it was. So it's one to make sure that he's named around one before you pop him into your side. Uh, but averaging eighty four percent game game time over the uh, the JLT, averaging sixty points, it's about what we expect for a a rookie defender. And so if he's named around, he's in my uh, re- named around one. He's in my side pistol done easy who's next um, we'll jump on to Ed vickers Willis that we uh, we have already talked about he's also looking for a third tall option uh, for North Melbourne he had a solid JLT series as he mentioned scores in the 80s and uh, a pretty disappointing uh, last round um, where he only put up a, a score in the uh, the mid-20s but um, from 84% game time. But again, over the the uh, the three games, 86% game time, 81% game time, 84% game time. It's more about the role, about what kind of score he was getting. He, in game three, he definitely played more of a lockdown defender role, scoring 28 off 84%. Is that something that you think we can expect for his role coming into the season proper and he wasn't really being as much of a lockdown in the first two JLT, uh, JLT games? Or is it just an anomaly? He just didn't have quite as good a game as uh, earlier
1: on in the the
0: series, Pistol.
1: Look, to be honest with you, I'm not sure it matters. I think the most important thing is will he get a game or won't he get a game? And if he is getting a game, then, you know, play him. And if if he's not, we've got problems because there's not that many back rookies as we thought we could rely on. Um, Today, North Melbourne did release an article and they said in it that, um, I'm going to quote right here, two of North forgotten, North's forgotten 2014 draft class defenders Sam Durden and Ed Vickers-Willis are also in contention to debut against the Eagles. So, it says in contention, doesn't say they're definitely debuting when they had an article with um, some players who are definitely debuting, which is a bit worrying because... If they're not a definite, they're a maybe. And if they're a maybe, it means they're a fringe 22 at best. So job security is already looking shaky, which isn't a great way to start the season.
0: Absolutely. And another one of uh, Ed Vickers Willis' teammates, Mitchell Hibbert. Everyone uh, was kind of all over him because he'd played the, the three JLT matches. And we were a little bit curious about his, uh, his being on the, being on the fringe of the best 22. But the problem is now, in that article that you're referencing... They didn't mention him at all. They were saying how Marley Williams, Frovat are going to get games. Jai Simpkins um, basically definitely going to debut uh, 160K um, player that you can choose in other lines. But they didn't mention anything about Mitchell Hibbard whatsoever. And, you know, basically for us that have him at, like, say, um, D7, D8, you're basically just like, okay, time to start planning for something else. I'm I'm basically confident that he's just
1: not going to be there come round one teams. No, I don't think he's going to be there either, which means you have to look towards someone that has uh, more job security, which probably leads us to the next choice, which is uh, the player with the most amount of job security, I think, out of all the back, backmen this year. Um, Lachlan <laughs> <not Loughlin laughs> Keith, Not Lachlan <laughs> Keith. Uh, I am talking about Caleb Marchback from yeah. Carlton. 236k. Um, tell me, what do you know about this guy?
0: Uh, obviously, injury-prone. I, uh, that, that's the first thing you need to know. He is definitely someone that we should be looking at. He's probably got the best job security as well. Um, he put up some really, really good scores and really consistent scores in the uh, the JLT. Um, he is a little bit more expensive pistol, putting up two, uh, $236,000 that you, you've got to put up. But he did those consistent scores, as I was saying, 76, 86, 85 from really good time on ground. He does seem to have that very friendly back roll, And as we know, Carlton do have a friendly back roll. You look at uh, the likes of um, Doherty and Simpson as well. He is never going to take a main forward. He's always going to be on the, uh, the, the less important forward, so it's going to give him more opportunity to pick up that ball around the back line. The problem is he's, we're paying $115,000 more than some of the guys we can pick in the back line. His upside is that he probably has the best job security of the lot, Pistol.
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing here is if you are having to pay over hundred k more for a rookie then they must actually have scoring potential that is greater than someone without good... uh, job security. So, he, he does look that he does look like he can outscore the one hundred twenty three k players. So for me, it's a tick. But we'll talk about some other players who are priced at similar price who don't get that tick of approval.
0: Yeah, and just to finish on Caleb Marchbank, um, first game eighty four percent time on ground. Second game eighty five percent time on ground. Third game eighty six percent time on ground. And he's looking at about a seventy eight points per eighty percent. So um, if we extrapolate that to say he's playing eighty five percent in normal season, um, you know, and 80 80 points for his kind of role is kind of uh, acceptable so it can can be some statistical data you can justify for paying that little bit extra to get him ahead of uh, the bottom price rookies. What do you think?
1: Yeah definitely as I said gets a tick of approval from me but we can go on to someone who doesn't get the tick of approval in a similar situation uh, being Andy McGrath from Essendon. He's 211k so he is above the 200k mark. He can be selected as a defender or a midfielder. And in the JLT, he scored a 35, a 54 and a 24, even with a time on ground, an average of 61%. So it is a bit lower. However, points per 80% time on ground was still only 49. Yeah, it's so not great, is it? It's really not good when you're already above 200K. And if you're gonna average 50 until let's say round 10, I worked out before that you're only gonna make 32K. So you're not even a cash cow and you're not scoring. So I asked, what is the point?
0: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Houston with Bruce Lee in the back line last year. <laughs> <laughs> like it, As much as I love pick number one at Essendon this season, and everyone's like touting him to be, he can play round one, he's got the mature body, he's going to be a great player. I'm sure he is. I just There's absolutely no justification thus far. I've watched all the and games from start to finish and I don't see enough from him to even say that he's going to line up round run, let alone that he's a fantasy selection for us. And from basically what you've said, I'm more than happy to tell anyone to steer clear from him as much as I think he's going to be a great player. It's uh, rare to hear you say such uh, foul things about Essendon players. <laughs> I wouldn't say it about Darce. Even if Darce had those scores, I'd be telling you to get him in. <laughs> Well, all right, mate. I, next, I, someone from your team or a couple from your team, Sharonberg and Lachlan Keith from Collingwood, about the 160k mark. They didn't probably spend as much time uh, playing the JLT as what we thought they would. What is your take on those guys? Are, are they someone that we've seen a few teams with them floating around with them? I'm personally not going them. What's your take?
1: Look, to be honest, I thought Sharonberg was in our best 22 before the JLT, but I watched all the games and. He, he looks didn't really look like he was up to it. I think he'll come into the side later in the season, maybe even early in the season, but I'm not sure he's going to get the gig round one. We do have um, three injuries with Jamie Elliott, Togoe, and uh, Greenwood ruled out of round one, which means there are some slots open, and I still don't think that he gets one of those slots. He might, but even then, um, doesn't play in those roles those, player have, those players have anyway. So best case scenario, he comes in as like kind of a utility and then gets dropped anyway oh I shouldn't say best case scenario I'm sure the best case scenario is he stays in the team the whole year but I'm not feeling too great about starting with either of them in my squad to be honest and at 166k with no more job security than someone that's 40k cheaper and no more scoring potential that than people who are 40k cheaper, you may as yeah. well take the 123k options. And it made absolutely uh,
0: makes absolutely no sense to do that, particularly when you look at his stats from the JLT. He Only played the first two games. He only averaged 40% time on ground. And if you extrapolated um, his scores out to uh, as if he spent 80% time on ground, he's only averaging 38.5. So, not numbers that scream out, pick me at this stage. No, not at all. Um, With Colin Garland going down with an ACL yesterday, as bad as that news is, for fantasy coaches like us, it can actually bring um, kind of a turnover, a new leaf for us when we are struggling to find some rookies. Joel Smith from Melbourne didn't have the worst scores with 73 and 55 in the JLT. What's your
1: take on him? I'm actually not too sure how I feel about Joel Smith. I think... Hibbard is out for round one and I think uh, Frost might be injured still so he probably gets a gig at least in round one but then it's a bit risky when you've got these players coming back inside Melbourne's best 22 and someone needs to make way and if he doesn't play well or is just you know average he, he's probably the first one cut so it's another one of those players that might you might select and then I don't know if you guys happen to remember Bo Mustin from years and years ago who dominated <laughs> for three weeks and then never played for the rest of the season or something like that. Um, yeah, you get trapped and then you have to burn a trade on the player that hasn't made any money. You have to sideways a rookie and that's the cardinal sin, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely don't want to be caught up with that. So I think I'm going to be avoiding Joel Smith unless there's an article that states how great he is and how he's definitely in the best 22. Um, but... Yeah, I can't see it happening at this stage. And Ross the
0: Boss has two really good defender rookies that we could be choosing from at this point of the year, but Luke Ryan and Griffin Logue aren't going to line up round round one. And even if they do miraculously get a gig, I can't trust Ross enough to pick any of his rookies ever again.
1: (laughs) I think I would take Luke Ryan if he was available, but I don't know when he's going to debut and I can't imagine it's going to be round one given we didn't see him in the JLT so I think he was had a bit of an injury as well so we'll wait and see on those players but don't expect to pick them round one so I'd remove them from your squad if you do have them. Yeah,
0: one player that um, does need to be elevated off the rookie list uh, for Geelong had the best points per time on ground of all the uh, defender rookies Zach Guthrie What are you, what's your take on him I, I remember mentioning him a few weeks back and you were really really crash hot on him
1: yeah I really like Guthrie as an option just because he's at 102k and if you're going to pick people with kind of dodgy job security anyway you may as well get the people that are the cheapest and hope they can get to that three game mark um, at this stage I'm not going to be hopefully picking people that I think with <laughs> dodgy job security so i I'll be okay because I'm not going um, too light down back. But if you are going light and you do need to select a lot more rookie options, then I think uh, Guthrie is probably uh, a solid pick. I I know you mentioned he had the best time on – sorry, points per 80% time on ground out of the defender options, but um, that was actually out of all of the rookie options um, behind Dawson Simpson who I'm not really going (laughs) to include (laughs) – Dawson Simpson, 130
0: points per 80% time on ground.
1: Lock him in. (laughs) Guthrie had 97. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's right up there. I think if he's named round one, I'd be very tempted to hold him just because when he played, he looked amazing and you're not going to get dropped if you're playing great football. That's,
0: that's right. 91 off 68% time on ground and then 73 off 67 time on ground. So very consistent across the two, first two JLT games. He's definitely one to look at. Do you have anyone in the back line that really uh, is someone that we can look at down the track, someone that might not play round one but is someone that we can look as a downgrade option, say round six, round seven?
1: Maybe not round six, round seven. I'm not entirely sure when this uh, guy comes back in. And it's Ben Long from Saints. Yep. he forward DPP. He's got um, defender and forward status. He's 117K and he's suspended for the first two weeks. Uh, Ross Lyon actually didn't have any say in it because he's no longer at St. Kilda. But Alan <laughs> Richardson, <laughs> who did have uh, one of those question and answers with the public... Um, someone asked him who was the most impressive over the preseason and he named two players and one of them was ben long Um, so i think he's a good chance of getting a gig in round three but if he doesn't it's going to be at least somewhat early in the season i'm not sure if you'd start with him but at least you can expect to pick him soon or downgrade someone to him yeah, sure. And I've got one more name to throw at you,
0: Jackson Thurlow, uh, coming back off an injury. Do you see him as a relevant option? I personally see him for the amount of uh, you know, points per um, spend that you're putting out. I just don't see him as a relevant option at nearly 270,000 that may only put up similar scores or slightly higher scores than our 117K rookies.
1: Yeah, look, I think he's going to be a great player and I think his job security is obviously much better than a lot of other rookies. However, I don't know if he's going to make very much money. So although he might score decently, um, I think he's probably going to struggle to make you 100K. So then you're kind of stuck in no man's land between somewhat of a stepping stone like mid-pricer that doesn't make that much money but can get to a kind of expensive price. I'm not really sure... What you're going for, what your game plan is. If you have the leftover cash, then by all means go for it, but most people aren't in that position, so for me, I'm staying away. Yeah, for, for that
0: extra expenditure, I'm looking at a Caleb Marchbank over a Jackson Thurlow. He, he played all three JLT games, uh, averaged 74% time on ground, uh, 75, 74, and 73 across the three games, very consistent. Uh, but over uh, 80% time on ground in a, a normal season game, he averaging uh, 894 really, really promising, but I definitely don't think that's what people should be selecting him for, that you, they think he's going to be a 90-point average rookie. I, I definitely don't see him as that. Um, and for that reason, I'm picking Marchbank, who's you know 50 or 30, 40K cheaper. That I expect to go around the same mark, and that—that's—that's that's my uh, my thinking about that. Um, we might as well jump onto the midfielders here, mate. What do you reckon? Yeah, this will be a quick section. Yeah, because <laughs> we've got about three to pick from. Number one that uh, we are can we basically can spend about thirty seconds on and then move on. Sam Power Pepper, one hundred and thirty-five k midfielder. You basically just have to pick this bloke after what we've seen, hey.
1: Yeah, look, he he dominated in the JLT. Like, it looks like he was ready for the for AFL. He's already been announced. He's going to play round one. So just lock him in, throw away the key. Yeah, he averaged 70% time on ground in the JLT. He averaged that up
0: to 80% from a, a normal season game. That's 90 points. So, you know, I'm definitely not expecting that again from him, but if he, if he averaged 70, 75, he's going to make an absolute stack of coin. And because he's probably one of the only rookies that we can bank on getting good money out of, um, you've just got to have him in, whether you playing him on the ground or not. Um, so we'll move on. Jake Barrett here, mate. Again, he has to be uh, upgraded from the, um, the rookie list, which I expect him to because I think he is best 22 for Brisbane. Brisbane, Jake Barrett averaged twenty-eight touches across the last three years in the knee force. He's not a one-trick pony done it for one season. Across the last three years in entirety, averaging twenty-eight touches. He's gone to Brisbane for more opportunity from GWS because it was just a loaded midfield. He's a hard nut. He does the tackling, he does the the um, running um, the defensive running as well. I definitely see it going straight to the side, and for someone that's 127k. Do you think, like, if he's if he's upgraded before round one, he's going straight into my side pistol?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think the key is he needs to be upgraded still. So everyone has him at the moment, and he might not be eligible to play round one. Yeah, I know. Um, in that case, say that we uh, Jake
0: Barrett isn't named round one, or he isn't upgraded. We've got some like, likewise uh, replacements uh, in a Harry Wig, 123k. Also, um, he did. He started off the JLT quite well, putting up a seventy. Um, he, he didn't quite back it up in the uh, the, the second game, only putting up a, a, a lower score, admittedly, off uh, less game time. But there's probably a side with him, uh, probably a spot for him in that Adelaide side with the amount of players they're missing. What do you think?
1: Yeah, look, Scott Thompson's out. Brad Crouch is out. That's already two midfield spots. I think Wig gets a gig round one. Sloan is also still in doubt, but I think he'll play. Um, The problem is well, it's not much of a problem, but we don't know when Brad Crouch or Scott Thompson are going to return because you've got two really injury prone blokes, especially Brad Crouch, who's missed his whole life basically with injuries. (laughs) So. If, if wig plays round one he might last a while because you never know when you know when the opportunity presents he'll he's there so just take him
0: yeah, uh, averaging 61% time on ground in the uh, preseason, average that out to 80% time on ground in a regular season game. That's 63 points that he's averaging, which is more than reasonable for the price that you're outlaying for him. Again, as you said, it's just that job security that we're talking about. And another player, that uh, the job security that um, is in the midfield, Declan Mountford for North, playing as a tagger in the JLT. He was an inside bull in the VFL last year. He knows how to find the ball. He's definitely one to keep an eye out from because he and Mitch Hibbert are are probably on that borderline looking for that that extra um, midfield spot. The only problem is... He's a very similar type to a Jack Zeeble um, and a Ben Cunnington, the the inside in and under midfielders. And there's you know there's obviously only a, a certain amount that you can get. And he's also someone that wasn't mentioned in that uh, the the press release by North today talking about the uh, the the rookies that look to be getting a game in round one, where Jai Simpkin was mentioned as a, a silky outside player, which is what North were looking for, Pistol.
1: Yeah, and especially with Cunnington out round one, uh, Mountford, if he does get a gig, I'd be scared that he's just straight up for Cunnington in round two as well. So best to probably avoid that situation and maybe as a downgrade option later in the year if they strike some injuries or something, but probably uh, stay away going into the season. We'll move straight on to the ruck now, Pistol. Um,
0: first person that I want to mention is... Uh, probably not someone that you're picking to score your points, but someone that you're picking to uh, be that, that captain loophole. And as you mentioned uh, previously on a pod, uh, on a podcast doing the captain's loophole loophole correctly over the, the course of a season, you end up um, in the, in the, in the black in the positive by about 400 points. I think uh, it was calculated. And so the best loophole option this year um, with 16 late matches, either a Saturday night or a Sunday match um, is the, the surname that we can't pronounce, uh, the ruck forward DPP, Luke Sterndicker from Fremantle. (laughs) What was his last name again? Uh, I'm not sure they want to pronounce it again, but if you're looking for an R3 uh, DPP, particularly if you've got like a Nankervis or a rider in the forward line, he's definitely someone to look at. If you are trying to utilise the R3 spot as someone to make cash, someone from North Melbourne, as you said, Braden Pruce, is he uh, one of the guys that you'd be looking at as a, a rookie
1: option in that R3 position? Sorry, just to stop you for one sec, uh, you did say Luke um, was the best loophole option and you said the Luke hole and I thought that was hilarious and you didn't realize, but let's continue on to Brad, Braden Proust. <laughs> <Bruce. laughs>
0: the lu- Luke hole
1: option. Right, so so, so back to Proust. In the JLT, he provided Goldstein with ruck relief. He played up, up forward and he was actually quite good. He kicked, um, I think, a bag of three in his, in a game or two. He scored a 70 and 95 and a 45. However, I think he's competing directly with Majak Dorr. So I think Majak will get the go-ahead go, uh, go ahead for round one, in which case, can't really pick Proust. But you might want to pick him if you're going with Goldstein because if Goldstein goes down, Proust comes in, you save yourself a trade. However, if it's a long-term injury, you're going to be burning it on Goldstein anyway. So sometimes it's just not worth it and you may as well go with the vice-captain loophole option. Absolutely. And
0: to further that point, um, for someone like me that does have Goldstein as their R1, Proust played 77 minutes, uh, 77%, 73%, 76% over the, uh, the three JLT games. Uh, you average it out to 80% game time, uh, 75 points. That's not bad for an R3, but you know, that's 75 points that Goldie could be stacking up, racking up another 250 this year you know, as a, a VC loophole option pistol. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, basically, I'm saying, Bruce, don't get picked. Do a knee or something like that, no, uh, so that you don't get picked. Someone uh, from the Swans, similar position, similar price, another ruck for DPP that could be getting game time, especially with all the injuries that happened with the tall blokes at Sydney. Darcy Cameron, uh, Sinclair type player. What do you think about his job security? I think we touched on this before. How are uh, how Sydney actually going to fit in all these extremely tall blokes into the Sydney side?
1: I'm not too sure, but they managed to try and do it to the best of their ability in the JLT. Um, They'll play Darcy Cameron as a forward, and they managed to fit him and Naismith and Tippett in the same squad. And now they've got Sinclair uh, back from injury as well. I think Cameron still might get a go until they realize it doesn't work very well when they drop him. But uh, look, it's hard to pick. I think... um, It's a risky one, but it also could pay off because he might not be dropped. He might be preferred to a Naismith uh, if they will go with Tippett in the ruck. Yeah, it's a a really hard one to pick.
0: Yeah, and uh, he only averaged 51% game time during the uh, three JLT games that he did play. So uh, not overly... uh confident that he, he will line up round one if you were looking for that cash generator at R3 although he, he did show some reasonably good score potential scoring potential over a, if you average it out to 80% again he's looking at an 86% scoring average over, over a standard game so uh, definitely one to keep an eye out on um, if he is going to get a game. The big, well, we're classing rookies as anything under or around 250k you say their pistol so into this rookie category I am going to put up a name to Jared Wits. what do you think about him as an R3 selection or even an R2 if you're ballsy enough?
1: <laughs> um, I'm actually a big fan of Wits. only purely because people who are doing uh, Nanky Lands and have Nankervis and Sandy Lands, um, I find if you're going to have Sandy Lands and Wits, it's actually safer. Uh, than Nanky lands because you have Nank in the forward line. So if something does happen to Sandy, you can swing Nank back to cover. And if something goes wrong with Wits you can trade him to Taranto or Will Hoskin-Elliot and then put um, Nank into the, the ruck position. So I think it's uh, using wits as an R2, it becomes a safer Nanky lands option. And across his JLT, he did score a 41 and then an 85 obviously when you're a ruckman you're around the contest you're around the ball he's a big dude he's 209 centimeters for memory as well so lack of third man up might help him he's going to get the tap outs if he can average 70 at 217k it's probably a win so for me he's in my side but again if he has quite a few bad performances he's going to get dropped for curry he might get dropped for nickels it is uh, it is a risk. I can appreciate it's a risk. If it goes badly, I'll trade him to a forward rookie uh, via DPP. So it's not too bad, but uh, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Okay. So in round one, he played
0: dual ruck with Daniel Curry. Daniel Curry played 70% of game time. Wits played 70% of game time. Curry put up a 93. Wits put up a uh, 41. In... The third JLT, which was uh, Wits' second game, he was the sole ruckman. He rucked the whole game by himself, um, or as much as he could. He played 75% game time this time around for a score of 85. That tells me if he does get that R1 position by himself he is definitely an option that we should be looking at. In that particular game, if he had played an 80% game time, which he would have in a normal season game, he's putting up 91 points based on that one game. I know it's a small data set there, Pistol, but you've got a rookie that's putting up 91 as an R1 position he definitely has that uh, being a viable option for an R2 if you are ballsy enough. The only problem for me is that um, Tom Nichols is struggling with injury right now. As soon as Tom Nichols becomes fit, he's not actually um, as bad of a ruckman as many people think, and he's fighting for his spot again. As you say, Wits has one bad game. I'm not sure he... The reason he's not in my squad or he's not even an R3 is because I don't think he rucks as the sole R1 ruck at Gold Coast from here until their buy, because that's what he needs to do to make enough money by the time you have to trade him out. You have to... Remember, he's got the early buy, so if you're planning to make money off him, you have to get rid of him early. And if just one or two of those games, if we look at his JLT, one game where he played played with Dan Curry, he only put up a 4 Forty-one. If he has one of those scores, say round four, his rolling average will be so low that he will be stagnant until he has his buy, and you may only make a hundred k off him. Which I know we've said previously last year that over the course of the year you want to average a hundred k per trade. But for a for a rookie that you're thinking that um, can make a, a significant amount of cash this year, I think it's a loss if he has one of those games, and for that reason. The amount of risk I'm taking across the rest of my side, I haven't gone with wits for that reason, Pistol.
1: Do you know what Gold Coast's schedule, like
0: rucking schedule, looks like? Uh, Off the top of my head, no, I don't. I'm hoping you've got some fixtures there for
1: me. I do, I do. Um, So he does play Brisbane in round one, which I'm not sure is going to be the hardest task for for a ruckman Uh, GWS in round two is not the greatest fixture against Mumford then he does play in the danger rounds as we'll call it um, because that's when prices start to move he does play Hawthorne which is not also a a very tough rucking game and then Carlton um, I think we know (laughs) know about Carlton Um, (laughs) (laughs) in the nicest possible way that'll probably be Um, a pretty cruisy game for you yes ah Pete's
0: puns nice (laughs)
1: went went straight over my head as well so so well done Uh, he does then play Adelaide and North Melbourne which is not the greatest game so I'll I'll give you that Um, followed by Geelong and Port Adelaide who I think he can do well against both of those teams before the bye so a little bit of a mixed bag but also a little bit on the easier side if I had to pick one of the two um so, for me, it's worth the risk. I also don't really rate Nichols as a ruck as much as, I guess, other people do. Um, I think that Witt's coming across. He gets a job. They say, look, play for this many games in a row. He's the future ruck of the club. So, yep. just... Go into around nine, and we'll see how you go, type thing. Um, obviously, unless he gets destroyed, but I can't really see that happening.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely can't see him getting destroyed. He's, he definitely is uh, someone that can hold his own. The the scary thing for me out of that, what you've just just. Um, discussed is that a couple games before his buy, he's got Source Jacobs which is he's a very quality um, ruckman in the AFL and then he's got Goldie so he's got a couple games back to back where um, Rocket Ede might say okay we definitely need a two-pronged we can't have Jared Witt's rucking soul against uh, Source or rucking soul against uh, Goldie during this game and that could very much just stunt his his cash generation and he's not even at his buy yet so um, I guess we can move on that's just a, a few things to talk about um, you're a big, uh, a big lover of Tim English He uh, as soon as he had that, that one JLT game he, he rotated through uh, um, your side a little bit there Pistol do you see him actually
1: lining up at any point this season <laughs> at maybe at some stage season but they need some to cop some injuries I think he got absolutely destroyed by Steph Martin <laughs> in JLT 3 he, Steph Martin just used him like a rag doll so I'm not sure he's quite ready for AFL Tim English but I'm excited to see what he'll bring to the table in the future
0: yeah, and the the uh, um, the word on him is that they expect him to be basically the best ruckman since Dean Cox. He's got the best mobility around the ground. He's 207 centimetres. Um, he's one year older than most rookies as well at 19 years old, spending that extra year um, in the league at the Waffle. Um, he only played the one JLT game 74% game time for 70 points. It's not all that bad for 130K ruck, but it's definitely, definitely not someone I would be looking at their pistol. Um, moving on to the forwards here, mate. We'll just go bang, bang, straight with the big one off the top of the head. Tim Taranto, 207K mid-forward swing for GWS. Absolutely killed it in the JLT. Absolute gun, 93, 97, 76 across these JLT performances. But is it as simple as just locking
1: and loading their pistol? What do you think? Uh, for me personally I think with Caneglio out for Six weeks And Whitfield out For eight weeks is With his suspension Taranto gets given A nod for round one you, you read out How big score Like he can score Amazingly well For a rookie So for me It is as simple As just putting him on And let's see how we go
0: Yeah, and another thing to mention is he got a 15.9 in the beep test. Uh, I think he came equal third at the Draft Combine last year. He has got wheels on him. He can run all day. He played 81% game time, 76% game time, and 79% game time for for those scores that we mentioned. That if we're averaging uh, 80% game time, which is what he did over the JLT, he's averaging 90 points, which is absolutely astronomical for uh, for him. But let's be honest, he's probably going to get the, uh, the worst defensive player of every team he plays every week playing for that GWS side that he's just going to be able to run around and do anything that he wants with basically no pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And also their opening draw is relatively kind. On top of that, after the Adelaide game, they do play Gold Coast and then North Melbourne and then Port Adelaide, which um, I don't see as particularly you know, challenging sides for, for GWS. So he could score well across in early days. And I think that justifies a position like on your actual field. Yeah, and he's one player that I would be happy to play on my field, um,
0: particularly in the forward line where we are struggling to um, find some players that can actually have a, a decent score at, a, at say, a, uh, an F5, F6 position. Um, however, he does have that shake, a little bit of a shaky job security, depending on how you look at it. Someone who doesn't have shaky job security, or a couple guys will talk about uh, 210k, 211k, Will Hoskin Elliott, and 203k, Cam McCarthy. These two guys have no. No worries about job security. At this stage, Will hoskin Elliott is someone that's just going to... Uh, Collingwood announced through Twitter that, that he will be lining up in round one. Scoring 83, 64, and 80, he's definitely a solid option for a similar price. However, I think if Tim Taranto plays all the way up to the bye with Will Hoskin-Elliot, Tim Taranto is going to be the one that's going to be averaging 5, 10 points well ahead of Will hoskin Elliott Pistol.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about uh, Will hoskin Elliott. I think he'll be a great recruit for Collingwood. I'm not sure about his supercoach potential. I'm really on the fence between him and Taranto, especially because we know that Taranto has at least a little bit of job security risk, whereas Will hoskin Elliott, I think, is rock solid at the moment um, in Collingwood's best 22. My gut says Taranto over Will hoskin Elliott, but... I would also pick Will Huskin Elliott over Cameron McCarthy, so I'm um, hopefully that clears up one of your decisions out there. Yeah, the the problem with Cam McCarthy, yes, he's a he's a fantastic
0: player. He's got he's got AFL smarts. He, he knows where the goals are. Um, it's something that very few AFL players have by like natural instinct. Um, is something that I, I would use to describe Cam McCarthy. The problem is they don't have Pavlich there anymore. Cam McCarthy is basically going to be their number one go to in the forward line, which means he's going to get the number one backman every single week. And for a key forward, we need him to kick bags of goals to keep up um, his scoring potential. So at 203k, it just, uh, we're seeing a lot of teams with him in there after he kicked a bag uh, just the other weekend. But with that number one defender and being 80k more expensive than the other choices we can have in the midfield, in sorry in the in the forward line, I would more than be happy to to pick say a Brett Eddy,
1: who is over a hundred thousand dollars cheaper and might score very similar. Yeah, look, Cam McCarthy, he needs to kick goals to score well. I think even in his season um, two years ago, when he kicked 35 goals, he only averaged 53 SuperCoach points. So. If you're expecting him to kick, you know, 60 goals and push for the Coleman for Fremantle when he's playing as a number one rack, which I find unlikely, Jeremy Cameron did that and still only averaged like 72. So I don't even think McCarthy can get anywhere near near that. And at 200k and probably averaging 55 to 60. Um, I think there's better options out there, especially, as you said, if you can bank the 100K and get Brett Eddy to start with, I think that's a way better option. Yeah, and uh, we've
0: got a, a whole plethora of options that are um, kind of the mid-150,000s towards the 200,000s that um, are mid-forward options. You've got your Jack Bowes, um, Kane Turner just as a general forward, Oliver Florent as a uh, mid-forward, someone that we've already mentioned, uh, Ajay Simpkin as a forward. All around these uh, um, kind of, uh, even a Ben Ainsworth uh, closer towards the, the 200 200,000 you've got all of these guys that that they've all got questionable job security they've also got questionable scoring potential and I just I, I can't back in um I'm sure uh I, I think you mentioned it the other day Jack Bowes we we all had lined up for round one like a month ago we we're saying he's he's just a lock he's in the forward line he's going to be a gun he's going to play round one and then we saw the JLT was like oh dear pistol what are we going to do
1: <laughs> yeah he scored 35 and 39 <laughs> in the jlt um probably line up across half back flank but look he's not really scoring too well and i know he's probably going to play around one but i'm not sure you can justify paying 171k for a player that scored a 35 and a 39 in the jlt and they, they
0: are planning to be running him off the the half-back line. Um, the thing is, he only averaged 66% game time um, in the JLT across his two games, but he only was projected to average 45 if he had averaged 80% game time in season proper. He just at this stage looks a little bit behind the uh, a little bit behind the eight ball, and that's something that we've seen with Jack Bowes. He absolutely killed it in the Div Two for Queensland. When he stepped up to the Allies to uh, play in Div One uh, in the Under Eighteens, he definitely was well well down and. Uh, we're looking at, at, at there's been players definitely a lot of players in the past that have, have done this uh, they've been an absolute gun at, at a younger level and then they step up to the big boys in the knee and, and and VFL and things like that and they just don't match their similar scoring capacity so I wouldn't be surprised if Jack bose is in and out of the side to start with because they're just slowly um, ex- getting him ready to be a, a long term AFL player and particularly the same with Amy. Ainsworth and things like that. They might play round one. They might have really good job security, but their scoring potential is something I'm really worried about considering I'm paying an extra 50, 60, 70,000 for these guys, Pistol.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a couple more you can add to that list. James Stewart who's 170k for Bombers, Ben Ainsworth 200k, um, Oliver Florent from Swans 167k. All these guys uh, decent job security, but their scoring potential is severely limited. So you could maybe pick one of them but I would not be going into the season with, you know, 3 or 4 of them that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to, to add a couple of, to those lists, you've got, um, say, Billy Smets is 220000 He probably um, has okay job security playing for Carlton as a mid-forward, but his scoring potential is terrible. Um, you're talking about like a Troy Menzel or a Matt Kennedy for GWS. They they have relatively good scoring potential, but they don't have good job security. Someone that, is, that um, fits the bill for us, he's a mid-forward swing playing for Carlton, Jared Pickett, 123k, he's going to line up round one. He showed us towards the end of the JLT what he can do by putting up an 86 and kicking a couple sausage rolls. I'm more than happy to have him, say, even on the uh, my my bench in the midfield and have that DPP swing. I probably, I definitely don't want to have him on the field, though, Pistol.
1: No, I feel like Pickett's going to be a slow burn type player. He, re- he needs to kick three goals to score 86. In the game, he didn't kick a goal. He scored 26. So he's one of those players that doesn't get the ball that much, but he's got super silky smooth skills, and he just hits a target when he, when he gets the ball, but he doesn't get that much. So... Pop him on your bench, maybe M11, maybe your forward F8 or F7, but probably don't take him to the field. And just, yeah, you'll keep him around to the bye time and then probably get rid of him then. Yeah, that's
0: all he's ever going to be because, let's be honest, he's a forward for Carlton. So how much ball are we actually
1: expecting him to get? (laughs) We've... uh been slamming Carlton recently in the, the podcast I feel pretty bad actually I don't I go for Colin but I feel great about it <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll
0: go for Eston so and I, I could do this all day um, someone that is a, 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 a similar price to say a Jared Pickett Dan Butler has been announced by Richmond's Twitter that he's going to line up round one um, he's a small pressure uh, forward um, it seems that Richmond have a whole stack of these players pistols so I am a little bit worried about his job security but 123k if he is lining up I'm not sure if if i can say no
1: yeah that's pretty much it he's named for round one are you really going to put someone that's 100 percent named that's only 123k which is pretty much the cheapest or one of the cheapest that you can get it's not even like terrible job security it's he has to play if he plays solidly or average he probably keeps his spot it's only if he plays terribly he gets dropped and then you probably want to ditch him anyway because not making enough money um for me is currently in my side um I do understand that there is a risk in selecting him, but yeah, he he seems good enough for me.
0: Yeah. He's currently my F8 just basically because we know that he's definitely playing round one. We know that, um, he, he does have a role in that Richmond forward line. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm happy about having to pick him because I think there's a couple options that um, can definitely um, score uh, much better than him. You've got like a T.M. Oz who we'll touch on in a second. You've got a Brandon Parfit that we'll, we'll touch on in a second. Um, but you've got guys like Shy Bolton for Richmond as well that uh, are also vying for that position of his that does make me a little bit cautious about um, having to pick him and I definitely don't want to have him anywhere near the ground but if he is playing round one we might be a little bit hamstrung. Um, the best thing about it is the average 20, uh, sorry, averaged 81% time on ground in the JLT um, and he averaged over that, if he uh, his 80% average rate was 58 points which is not the greatest but you know, another slow burn that we're talking about if he averages 58 at 124k that's all you can ask for pistol
1: yeah just seemingly adding a lot of slow burns to the list but there's you can only take what you can get in these situations that that's it's all we can take um when
0: uh, we're struggling for these kind of guys like you've got an aaron black 134k as a forward i really don't like his job security let alone his scoring potential we saw in jlt one he, he had a uh, 89 um super coach points but he did, uh, kick a few snags he then put up a 29 when he didn't have such a good game and then he didn't even play jlt3 it tells me that geelong really uh, have picked him for a bit more of a depth player rather than someone that they uh, are planning to play uh, come round one and for that reason the only other options that i'm personally seeing brandon parfit played uh, two games averaged 75 uh, percent time on ground um he's looking at 60 point average if he played 80% and a Tia miles who played all three games averaged 73% time on ground but only averaged 57.8 uh, if he played 80% time on ground what, what are your, your thoughts on those two guys pistol?
1: well uh, also including um, if we go back to Black just briefly I think they wanted to get him because they needed a forward they saw him play and they decided yep let's make Harry Taylor a forward this year <laughs> so we have no other options <laughs> so um, yeah it's not not looking good for Black uh, come round one um, regarding Tia Miles um, I think I've mentioned before he's been playing off the halfback flank even though he's listed as a forward midfielder um, Hodge is out for round one due to the club and post suspension so I think Miles does get names around one however another one of those scary situations where you've got hodge coming back for round two who's definitely in the best 22 someone has to make way hodge plays in the back line plays around the halfback flank will it be miles possibly most likely yes and then you're stuck with someone that's 123k in your bench and you have to burn the trade yeah, and the same with kind of Brandon Parfit. Um, he does uh,
0: ha- bring something else to the Geelong side, but being um, slightly more mature, he-, he might find a role for him in the Geelong side, but we just don't know um, with their what their setup's going to be this year. Uh, a few guys that we haven't mentioned their Pistol, uh, Will Brody in the midfield, 176K. He played all three JLTs, but again, limited uh, game time, only averaging 51%. However, if he did play 80% game time, he was looking at an 83 average, so that's one to keep an eye out on. Um, Someone that's uh, fighting for that third tall spot in the defensive line with Ed Vickers-Willis uh, that we mentioned before, Sam Durden, 124,000 forward option, played the first two JLTs, averaged 81% time on ground, which is slightly promising, but only for the, uh, the average of 55 per um, 80 minutes. And finally, uh, Dan Houston uh, upgraded on off the rookie list uh, for Port Adelaide with Brett Eddy, 117k forward option. Uh, he played all three of the JLTs. He only averaged uh, he averaged 75% time on ground. Um, if you extrapolate that out to uh, 80% time on ground and season proper, he's putting up 65 points. So, talking back about
1: Dan Houston, who place for Port Adelaide. Um, Pittard did hurt his hamstring, so I think Houston, who was used off the halfback flank, is fighting with Riley Bonner um, for that round one spot. If Houston does get the gig again, it's another one of those Miles situations where Pittard does have to come back within the first three weeks. You might get stuck with Houston for two weeks, and then Pittard's back, and then you're stuck with Houston again for a while. It's just really risky picking him. So it kind of would stay away. And then you kind of have to pay a bit more money for someone with a bit more job security. I think the only person that we haven't really touched on is uh, Brett Eddy, 102K. I think we're just skipping over him because we're basically like, yep, just select him. He's going to be a slow burn as a key forward for Port Adelaide. But at 102K with rock solid job security, um, at least in the short term, you just have to pick him. He's another one that needs to kick goals to score. In the first JLT he put
0: up 33, second he put up 40, and then he kicked five goals four against Hawthorne and put up 104 super coach points, uh, averaging 61% time on ground. So hopefully uh, uh, they were just building him up slowly for the, uh, uh, the the season proper. He went from 46 minutes to 63, 63 minutes to uh, 75 minutes um, on ground. So um, he, hopefully building him up for uh, round one. Looking at an average of about probably 60 for this year is probably um, expected there. The only other um, forward option I do want to touch on um, that I did mention before, Matt Kennedy for GWS. At this point, it looks like he does have a spot in the best 22. He put up scores of 91, 75 and 73, averaged 78% time on ground, averaging 81 points if you put it over 80% game time. If he plays, um, if it, like if he if he plays the first six seven rounds, I'd almost be tempted to pick him over Toronto because I think that he is going to score a little bit heavier with that extra preseason that that last year in the NIFL where he it was the second uh, most prolific ball
1: winner in the league pistol. Look, I know you've got a little bit of a man crush on I Kennedy. Do. If you've mentioned I do. him in a couple of podcasts, but to be honest, I think uh, if he plays badly in round one, he could be straight out there for Hopper comes comes in. It's not like GWS are short on depth. Caniglia um, <laughs> is also probably back round five. It's just a very risky pick, and, and you're outlaying 235K as well, so it's not yeah. a cheap risky pick. It's an expensive risky pick, so... Sometimes you're just going to say, why do it? And uh, I guess if you can see more positives and not go for it, but for me, I can't see more positives and not. So it's a, it's a no from me. Sorry, Cheeso.
0: Yeah, no, it's just that rookie coaching me, like trying to find that breakout contender that's just going to take the league by storm. I think that's a slightly romanticized it a little bit there for me, mate. That pretty much wraps it up. I'm sure we've missed one or two guys that will be yelled at in the comments, why don't we touch on this guy? Why don't we touch on that guy? But I'm pretty happy that that wraps up all the rookies. Guys, that uh, we can basically consider coming into round one, mate.
1: Yeah, I know. I think we missed Show and Makers, but that's because we're not expecting them to play in oh, round no, no, one. No.
0: We didn't miss him. <laughs> you, you don't, you, you, we definitely didn't miss Show and Makers because there's no way in hell I'm picking him in my side, even though he played all three JLT games and averaged 82% time on ground and was looking at a score of uh, 57.
1: It sounds like you're going to improve on last year's rank already. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, like you can choose Sean Makers at 155k and he's going to average mid 50s, or you can get a Brett Eddy who's 102k that's
1: going to average mid 50s. Like, it's a no brainer well there we go so thanks guys for listening and uh if you enjoyed the podcast don't forget to donate for cancer council charity we'll pop it in the comments um we are actually up to 328 dollars for the season courtesy of a massive donation by an unknown person named cheezo um who donated does that mean i get my team rated on the pod <laughs> <laughs> Look you can send it to me if you want and I'll help give you me feedback. Please don't help me <laughs> anyway uh, thanks for listening guys. All right guys we'll talk to you later.